Okay. I think we're in part six or, or seven, possibly. Thanks, Lou. Part seven. After uh, Jem spoke last week, if you missed it, you definitely missed out. Uh, it's online. Go back and listen. That was really powerful. Uh, and uh, we carry on going into chapter six. We're heading through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' most uh, concise representation of what his message was. And as we've been finding, uh, it's not necessarily uh, what we've kind of grown up with or what heritage taught us or what our experience even taught us. And actually the true message of Jesus sometimes is a, a, lot, more, uh, a lot more pure and a lot more uh, radical than maybe our kind of church experience or the way that we've kind of just allowed ourselves to uh, be influenced is. And it's the same again this morning uh, in chapter 6, uh, talking about what seems to be Jesus giving some instructions, some boxes to tick. Um, uh, is actually a very different thing. And he takes on this idea of playing for praise. And uh, everybody in here, no matter how humble we pretend we are, at some point or another gets stuck in playing for praise. I definitely uh, get stuck in playing for praise. I'm not going to stand up here uh, and pretend that I'm any different. I love a bit of affirmation. I love a bit of kind of like feeling like I've done something good and somebody recognizes it and makes me feel good about it and, and says something. And I remember I, I could literally tell loads of stories of where I've attempted to get praise uh, and it's worked out. And I could tell loads of stories of when it hasn't worked out. One that I remember is we used to run um, Acts 2. It was called the Youth Church down in the YMCA in Western. And obviously that building was used for other things during the week. So it meant that we had to set church up every Saturday uh, and pack it away um, once we finished on the Sunday. And I was usually um, a much younger, larger Mike, uh, was, uh, was kind of like my uh, partner, but maybe a few others would kind of get down there and set the church up. And I remember thinking, what a great idea it would be if I went down on my own uh, on a late on a Saturday night and set church up so that when everybody arrived on the Sunday, my, my, think, my thinking in my Christian head was, oh, it would just bless everyone. Wouldn't it bless everyone if I set the whole church on my own? Basically, what that translated as was, wouldn't everyone think I was great if, if they got there and the church was set up? So I went down there late on a Saturday night, and it was like, you know, just to paint a picture, it was like we rolled out carpets across this big gym. We set up an entire band setup. We set up lights. We set up drapes. It would take like two or three people a couple of hours. And so it was, a, a, you know, a, a three-hour-long sweat fest. And about kind of 1.30, 2 o'clock, that night, early Sunday morning, I finished setting up the church, and I looked at my work, and I saw that it was good, and and I, and I knew, I knew then I was in for some praise because everyone was going to turn up thinking they got a two-hour setup to do, and praise you, Ad, you've set up the whole church, aren't you great? Aren't you wonderful? Aren't you the best? So, I recognised something about my motives when I got there the next day, and I walked in uh, with Paul, my brother who was up here doing the comedy show a minute ago, and uh, he, he uh, I, I was kind of dropping hints, kind of like, I wanted to get there, I wanted my praise, I wanted my affirmation, I was like, yeah, Paul, we better get going, it's, it's going to take a while to set up, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to take a while to set up, like, we, we better get going, and so we arrived at church, and the, 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 the doors of the YMCA had this kind of sliding door, and it was so epic, and I'd obviously kind of like, you know, left everything set up so it looked amazing. And the door kind of swung open. I'm thinking like, come on, praise me, just praise me. And Paul just looked at it and he went, fair play, someone's done it. 
And I was like, you, you fair play? I was here for three hours. Like, I was li- literally like, it took me forever. I, I pulled muscles. And I want, I want more praise than that. And so I kept nudging it. I was like, I can't just let it go at fair play. So I like, you know, God, this must have taken ages, you know. You know, wow, fair, fair play. This, this guy deserves some kind of a medal. But Paul, I don't know with Paul, maybe he knew that it was me and he just deliberately wasn't giving me the praise because brothers do that kind of thing. Or maybe he was just as slow and as dumb as I think he was in that moment. He was just like, yeah, it's great when that happens, isn't it? Yeah, it's great when someone just sets up the church. That doesn't happen. Like, I want my praise. I, I, I want some recognition. I want some affirmation. Playing for praise, everybody would have a story, everybody would have an instance where they, maybe less subtly than me, maybe more subtly, maybe you're, maybe you're cleverer, maybe you're kind of doing things hoping that someone will notice and no one does notice. It feels great when someone does and they give you a bit of encouragement, a bit of praise, whatever it might be. When we do, or we give, or we serve, or we bless, we often want something. We often kind of want that recognition. It's quite a hard thing to do, if we're honest, to do something and for no one to notice, for no one to give any kind of recognition for that. And we're looking for something, some kind of recognition from someone somewhere, which begs the question of motive. Who or what are we doing this for? And that's what Jesus is addressing, despite what maybe we've read uh, chapter 6, first part of it, to be about in, in the previous uh, you know, times that we've read this. Jesus is addressing this uh, idea of motive, this idea of who are we doing what we are doing for? Who are we doing it for? What are we doing it for? Matthew 6, he draws attention to this. Three things that kind of assume a motive. He picks out three things and a reason for doing them. And he's kind of, as Jesus talks here, we're going to read it in a second, but he kind of talks, he's, he's assuming on a devotion, on a giving, and on, on an intention. Those are the three things that he picks out. And he's speaking to a culture of people that might not be the same as you and me now, but he's speaking to a culture of people who would know and practice these things. So he's talking about giving to the needy, he's talking about prayer, and he's talking about fasting. So he brings up these three three things. Not necessarily as, hey guys, here are some boxes for you to tick. He's bringing them up because he knows these would be things that this culture of people would do. And he is bringing up the question of motive. So verse 1, chapter 6, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. I love your picture of that. Do not announce it with trumpets. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And we jump ahead. Verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Three times, Jesus uses the same language, same words, to make the same point. So this isn't uh, isolating a particular topic of giving, or isolating a particular topic of praying, or isolating a a topic of fasting. Jesus talks about those things. We're going to talk about those things. But what I want to do is pick up on the pattern of what Jesus is talking about across these three things, which is this idea of do not be like the hypocrites. They have received their reward in full. And Jesus is speaking to those living uh, with an attempt to put God at the center of their life. And just to kind of uh, to frame that, fasting 
is about making, uh, making living an intentional, disciplined choice to put God first. That represents that choice. Yes, there's other kind of uh, branches that come off that, what fasting's about, what it achieves, all that kind of thing. But it represents this idea of making a, uh, an intentional choice, making a disciplined, I think one of the umbrellas just went over. I don't know anybody's out there. Nice, can you just check? I think the umbrellas went over, sorry. <laughs> um, making a, a living an intentional, disciplined choice. Prayer is about having a devotion to a God that is in all things and holds all things together. And giving is the way way to remove yourself from being at the center of your life. All that to say this, that Jesus has picked three things there that can be represented in a way that this group of people, the hypocrites that he talks about, represent in in a bad way. Or they can represent in a way that would remove you from the center of your life and put God at it. So he draws attention to those three topics. And he also draws attention to to people who maybe have lost sight of their motive, of their why. Is God worth putting central in your life? If you want to kind of headline, taking notes, can't be bothered to listen to the rest, want to be able to tell someone later what the preacher was about, that's the question. Is God worth putting central in your life? Does he deserve and demand that? And that's our question Today, that is what we're talking about. Thinking about kind of uh, this idea of um, hypocrites. I looking up this word hypocrite. Obviously, I have an idea of what hypocrite is. We would all have an idea of what a hypocrite is. But the word that Jesus used uh, in the original Greek is not necessarily represented by the word that we would understand hypocrite to be. Another stitch up of the English language. A hypocrite, ultimately, when it's translated, means much more an actor playing a part or wearing a mask or pretending, or in disguise. So it's related to our word hypocrite, but it's not the same thing. It's much more kind of like, uh, you know, someone stepping up to play a part on a stage. And this brought me back to when I was 14, and vulnerable, and intense. Uh, I once wrote, I always had a desire to be on stage, and I recognize the weirdness of me being on a stage, but I always wanted to be like, school plays would come along, and I'd be like, I want to, I want to go for it, but I, just, I, I was inhibited, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it, but I loved the idea of being on the stage and under the spotlight. And, and so at the age of 14, and being massively intense, I wrote a one-man play <laughs> called, called Just Me. <laughs> now, the depth of this, I, it, it just there's so many layers, if I'm honest. I wrote a one-man play called Just Me, and just me was about the struggle one man has about wanting to be on stage but not having the comments to do it. You see, oh, so many levels, there's so many, like so much depth. Unfortunately, I didn't have the guts to perform it, so it, it, it remained in my notebook. Uh, there would be, you know, all these kind of church productions and school productions and drama stuff and all this kind of thing, and I'd want to get involved, and I couldn't do it. And so I always managed to talk myself out of it. I don't know if you're like that. Maybe you kind of like the idea of taking the stage. You like the idea of kind of being up the front and kind of like, you know, getting the praise and the applause, but it's just too difficult a step. And so my acting career, ultimately, um, when we started doing the church, the decent church kind of productions and stuff here, I would find myself working the lights. Uh, and that was as far as I could allow myself to be. Jesus' point here is two options. Work the lights or take the stage. He talks about a group of people, the hypocrites, those that want to take the stage, those that want to jump up and have the applause and have the acclaim and have the praise. Or there's another way, another way, which is don't put yourself on the stage. Don't put yourself in the center. Don't make yourself the focus of the show, if you like. But absolutely participate 
in making that show look great. Working the lights. Jesus pointed in particular at the religious leaders, the Pharisees, as we've seen throughout his life. And he offers the thoughts of these two options. Don't be like the hypocrites. The word meaning actor, playing a part. Don't be like them. If you read Matthew 6 or any time the word hypocrite used, remember that they're not talking about kind of someone that does something the opposite to what they say, as we would understand a hypocrite to be. You know, it's someone getting up and, and kind of wanting the acclaim, wanting the spotlight. Don't be like them, he says. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about you trying to play for praise. Don't make it about, you know, that the whole idea is about you trying to get the applause or whatever it might be, the acclaim. And the, the question there, the reality there for the, someone that likes the praise, I don't know if you're with me, but someone who likes the praise, I'm like, why? The praise feels good. Like, why can't I put a bit of energy into kind of taking the stage? Like, why? I'd be an idiot to get up here and say, oh, the praise is terrible. It feels awful. Like, it, it, it's, it's not. It's a good thing. It feels good. When someone says, you know, that you were wonderful. What you did there was brilliant. Like, I can't believe you set up the whole church yourself. Like, you know, it, it, you know that's a good thing. But Jesus says this, and he acknowledges the fact that there is reward. He acknowledges it three times. There is reward in playing for praise. But he also says this, they have received Actors that take the stage, they have received their reward in full. That's not Jesus being cruel or nasty. It's just he's not threatening anyone. He's not saying, you know, if you take the stage, then you're in trouble. He's simply pointing out a reality. And that reality is when you make you the main attraction, that's all the reward you'll ever get. When looking good, sounding good, appearing good becomes the be-all and the end-all, the claim that you'll get is all that will ever mean anything to you. Now, there's no doubt, of course, that has been amplified nowadays with, I think, of our young people in particular, but the rest of us, I'm sure, get stuck in this social media-soaked world that has kind of invaded the way that we operate, has invaded the way that we interact with each other, has invaded the way that we see ourselves far too much. And, and social media is so powerful and it's changed that and it's amplified this whole idea of, you know, playing for the praise and kind of trying to get the like, trying to get the comment, trying to get the acclaim, trying to get the admiration. And it, it changes the way that we approach relationship and feel about relationship. I once had a rather humorous, uh, 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 you know, kind of instance of this. Uh, I posted uh, a picture and I tagged my dad in it. Uh, with uh, My dad's at the back there. Uh, my, my dad um, uh, tagged him with a heartfelt message. It's a photo of me and him when I, when I was little, um, playing cricket in our back garden. And uh, I'd had an operation. I was like five or six, I had an operation. I, I think everyone else in the family had gone away on a holiday. And me and my dad were left for like two weeks in the summer playing cricket in the back garden. I found a photo about it. And I tagged my dad and wrote like a heartfelt message, like right there message. And I was like, oh, just wait for this reaction. Just wait, you know, just wait for this response. I'm waiting for the praise, the admiration to come back. And uh, I was feeling a bit emotional about it. And Day or so passed, nothing bad. Nothing, nothing at all. Like, is he, what, has he got a heart of stone? Like, what's going on here? Like, it was a heart, but does he not care? And no like on my photo. No, no, no acknowledgement of it. No kind of like, yeah, great times. Or, you know, what a great son you are. I wish, I wish you were the only son. Like, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing like that, you know. Nothing at all. I'm thinking, does he not care? And, you know, I can, and I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook, like, you know, the news feed, Pete Maxwell, you know, liked Deb's rubbish photo. Deb's my sister. Or, you know, Pete Maxwell, you know, became friends with, you know, whoever it might be. I'm thinking, he's on Facebook. Like, what's wrong with the guy? And then I'm thinking, well, hang on. It messes with your head. And those of you 
you know, this is a relatively humorous one because it's my dad and there's a ridiculously stupid ending. But uh, there's an element where this is so true for us. We're posting stuff and we're waiting for the like or we're waiting for the recognition or we're waiting for someone in particular to respond to it. And you can maybe, it plays with your head and messes with you. What's going on is, is his silence trying to tell me something. Is, you know, have I done something wrong? You start analyzing and thinking, when was the last time I spoke to him? Maybe that's the problem. I haven't spoken to him for a while. And, you know, it kind of, it messes you around and your mind goes all over the place. And someone unfollows you or they don't comment on it or they don't like something that you think they should. And, you know, you're kind of like, man, I've taken the stage and I'm waiting for the spotlight. It isn't coming. I should have known better. My dad is, is a few sandwiches short of a picnic. And he... <laughs> I still don't know the answer to this question. I doubt he does, to be honest. But for whatever reason, my dad has had, I don't know, two Facebook profiles. All right? And not three Facebook profiles, I'm told, okay? Now, the two I knew about, both of them seem active. And both of them have up-to-date photos on it. And it, like, they both look like, I'm just thinking, is he just like updating that one? And then he's updating this one? He's like, is he confused or whatever? So I'd posted to the one that he obviously wasn't checking. And he was active on the other one. So he hadn't responded to my heartfelt message because of that. Don't ask me. I haven't got a clue. I, this, is, this, this is the guy that still uses a stereo built in the 1980s rather than the Bluetooth thing we give him. Anyway, but we don't play trumpets. Jesus says, don't announce it with trumpets. We're not like that. Social media allows us to be much more sneaky, much more kind of like, I'll just leave this here and see what I get for it. We don't play trumpets, but we definitely feel the need to grab what we can from people. We definitely, more than we would like to admit, we play that game. We allow ourselves to go there. We allow ourselves to analyze who hasn't liked it, who has liked it. What did they mean by that comment? Why didn't they comment? You know, all that kind of messing around. I say, if you're, if you're a parent, you know this. If you're a grandparent, you might not know this. But our young people, man, it's a, it's a tough world with social media. And we need to somehow find a way to support and love them as they come up against this absolute, you know, tirade of non-stop impact of social media and what it is saying about them and who they are and how valuable they are and what their self-worth is. We get stuck playing the game. We want to be liked and accepted and approved. Jesus acknowledges that's, that's a natural thing. And we get stuck playing the game without maybe even realizing we have. We have taken the stage and we have become the center of what we are doing. Therefore, my interactions and my relationships and my engagement online and offline have become about me getting what I feel I need. I am center of the stage. Because what I'm trying to do is about me. And the show is about me. Wouldn't necessarily, I'm not, I'm not the guy who's on the stage with the lights. That's not me, but I can see how I've become center of the stage. How all the things that I'm trying to get are about me getting that little bit of praise, that little bit of value, that little bit of worth. Is who I am enough? Am I accepted? Am I loved? Am I admired? Am I thought well of? And then we get into, once we're kind of caught on the stage and we're kind of in that position and we're addicted to that feeling, that, you know, that hit, we kind of then begin leveraging and pressuring and coercing and, and making comments, trying to influence or to get people to notice, to say they like you or what you're doing. And Jesus makes an outrageous claim. That's why I wanted to draw attention to this whole hypocrite thing before we get into talking about prayer, before we get into talking about devotion. Jesus deals with this, firstly and foremost, motive. 
motive for whose show you are contributing towards. He makes an outrageous claim. It won't sound outrageous for a bunch of people gathering in a church regularly, but it is an outrageous claim. And the truth is, because he says, beware, beware of doing these things for the acclaim. That's the only reward you'll ever get. You were made for more. We were made for more. The whole of the Sermon on the Mount, everything that we've been talking about up until this point and everything that we'll continue to talk about is this whole idea that God created you for a plan and a purpose and that holds an intrinsic value that cannot be diminished by my stupidity. And so it is a fact, as we've learned over the last couple of weeks, that that value is unchanging. So the idea of what you were made for is more than just, can I get a like? Can I get a smile? Can I get an acceptance? Can I get a they think well of me? Can I get a, you know, a, you know, a bit of praise there? You were made for more than that. With what you could give, Jesus puts that topic there. With what you could give, yeah, you could give and get some praise for that. Yeah, you could give and people would see it and think you're brilliant for it. And yeah, you could give and you know, that might make you feel good about yourself and give you a little bit of value for maybe a day or two. But that is changeable value based on whether you can keep that praise going. Jesus is saying there is more. You were made for more than that. With what you could devote yourself to, what, with what you could make central. Prayer being the representation of that. Yeah, you could pray and look spiritual and put your hands in the air when the song's playing and turn up and smile and do all the, all the stuff so that maybe someone notices you and says, you know, they're switched on or they're doing well or whatever it might be. But Jesus said to you, I don't need you to tick those boxes. I don't, your value, what I think of you is set regardless of whether you pray or devote yourself or walk through those doors regularly with how you choose to build your life, there is more. Living with a devotion to God. Putting him at the center of all that you are and trusting him. Now, the problem with that is that sounds harder. That sounds harder. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's like a 20-second thing to post a photo on, online or to, you know, to try and maybe, you know, spend a, an afternoon doing something that might give you, give you a bit of praise. This is a whole kind of like lifestyle construction thing. This is a, you know, you know, I'll work the lights while I let, you know, something or someone else step up and be the center of what I'm about. It sounds like there'll be more hoops to jump through. Most people that are put off an idea of Christianity, it might even be you, that I, most people that are put off the idea of living with a faith in Jesus are put off by the idea that there are hoops to jump through. There are standards to keep. There are, if I don't do this, then you know, I'm kind of relegated or demoted in some way. Jesus' message is this is at the heart of Christianity. I don't know what Christianity you've grown up with. I don't know what church has done to you. I don't know what you know, heritage, experience, parents, whatever it might be has done to you. But listen, read the Sermon on the Night. See what Jesus is saying. Because the heart of Christianity, according to Jesus, is that all he ever needs from you is the real, raw you. Non-pretending. Non-hypocritical. Non trying to make it so you're winning points from God. Like the backwardness of that pursuit. And yet we get stuck in that. Don't take the stage, Jesus says. Don't pretend or fake to impress people or me or God or whatever it is that you're trying to do. 
All I ever wanted from you, God says, is the real, raw you. Honest, where you're at, coming. If it's, it's angry, coming angry. If it's disappointed, coming disappointed. If it's confused, it's coming, dis- it's coming confused. It's just coming before God, knowing, knowing confidently that wherever you are at, you are accepted and loved by him in that moment. We kind of grow up with these weird ideas of like, you've just got to get myself sorted. I've got to get myself sorted before I can engage at church. Or I've got to get myself sorted before I can talk about what plan or purpose God might have for my life. Or I've got to, kind of got to figure myself out before I can really throw myself into, you know, kind of putting God at the center of, of my life. And God's like, no. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Don't take the stage. That's not what it's about. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Your value, your worth is set. It's not going to be set by anything you've ever or will do. Don't act or don't play for praise. Trying to be seen or trying to be known. Because with Jesus, you are already seen, already known, already loved, already accepted. And if you have reduced your Christianity to anything other than that, please step back, start again, step back rework it, step back, connect with someone that understands what Jesus was talking about. The time for trying to win God over was completed when Jesus went to the cross. Some of you need to hear that in 2018. The time for you trying to win God over, to try and convince him that you are good enough, that you are acceptable enough, that your past is in the past, That pursuit ended when Jesus went to the cross. So Jesus is encouraging you. Live with a freedom that actors never have. Live with a freedom that actors never have. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those in disguise. Don't be like those that wear a mask. Don't be like those that walk into church and feel like they have to be something in order to be accepted. We're all a mess. How many times have we said that? We're all a mess. If you're pretending you're not, then you're a fool. You're a play actor. You're getting up and you're on the stage. Live with a freedom that actors never have. Freedom from the pressure of performing, from measuring up, from impressing. Do you know how different it feels to live as a Christian when you recognize that you are already loved and valued? That isn't changing. Do you know how that frees you to be a different person? So Matthew chapter 6 So far from the list of Christian things that Jesus is trying to recruit you to do, which is the way that I've read Matthew 6, giving to the needy, got to do that, make sure I do that. Prayer, got to do that, make sure I do that. No messing around, tick the box ad. Fasting, make sure I do that. He didn't even ask me to do it, he just assumed I'm doing it. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure there. And we heap that on us. We don't even realise what Jesus is saying. He's actually talking about how you and I can find the fullest and freest life. Giving to others removes you from the center of the stage. Why did Jesus pick these three things? Giving to others removes you from the center of the stage. When we, when we give, Jesus is kind of almost speaking with an assumption there. Like, you know, well, that's obvious, right? Like, when you give, you, you aren't on the spotlight anymore. You're making it about someone else. You're making it about their needs. Discipline and choices. He covers it with fasting, but the broader thing, the broader theme of discipline and choices connects you to an understanding, the reward of the humanity that God has given each of us. 
I'm going to make choices in order to construct the life that God has made me to live. I'm not going to just float and drift through this thing, decking myself, trying to get a, a praise you know, update, trying to get a, you know, a, a little bit of feeling better about myself, trying to, you know, things are going better now. I'm going to recognize the work of Jesus on the cross and that my value is set. And prayer installs God as the center of your purpose and the source of your trust. Paul, do you want to come? Prayer installs, devotion installs God as the center of your purpose and the source of your trust. When I find I don't pray, I call out to myself a lot. And what I mean by that is I don't literally say, dear Adam, please do this for me. What I mean by that is I don't go to God because I'm looking, how can I fix this? How can I sort this? How can I solve this? And so the center of my purpose is me and the source of my trust is me. And prayer changes that. Free to be the person he made you to be. So Jesus says, be careful not to be like that. Don't miss out on making the life that he made you to live. I'll finish with this. I found this cool quote. I've heard it loads of times before. I'm sure you have. I'm, draw, I'm drawn to self-analysis. I don't know if you are, but I'm drawn to self-analysis. And I kind of, this, this kind of thinking, this kind of message makes me think, do you know, is this me? Like, do I play for the praise of others? Is that like a real thing for me? Am I kind of a little bit like, you know, I'm getting not necessarily addicted or I wouldn't you know, want to admit that if I was, but just, is this me? Is this kind of like what I've, have I become center of stage? Is that what I've done? Is I've made this show about me instead of, you know, living for something that's bigger than me? Have I become obsessed with the likes, with the affirmations? Do I need acceptance? I found this quote by a guy called John Wooden who was a basketball coach. And he coined this phrase. The measure of someone is who they are when no one is looking. The measure of someone is who they are when no one is looking. So as, as I finish, as a, as a practical, like, you want to dig in here. You want to grip on here. You want something practical to work with and, and go away with. When I don't have the audience, when no one sees... What matters to me in those moments? What am I wanting in those moments? With my time, with my energy, with my money, whatever it might be. Who is at the center of the life I'm building when I'm not on stage? Who is at the center? Jesus says, remove yourself from the center and allow God to be there and see what happens. See what happens when we're that brave.